Hi, I'm Jim Calloway. And I'm Sharon Nelson. This is the 35th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Today, our topic is metadata. What you can't see can hurt you. I know this might seem like a, an old and tired subject to some folks, Jim, but I remain amazed at how ignorant so many lawyers still are about metadata, and I kind of think you share my feeling, don't you? Well, I do. I think a lot of lawyers have heard about it and, and think, well, maybe this doesn't have anything to do with my practice. And even the tone of a lot of the ethics opinions we'll be discussing a little bit later to me shows that a lot of lawyers would just like to enact a rule that says, I don't have to know about this. So that, that'll be a good rule for me. <laughs> well, let, let's start by defining metadata. And I'm, I'm going to start out just by apologizing to folks who are listening who know what it is, but we still find plenty of folks who, who don't. So pretty much we've heard metadata endlessly defined as data about data, which is just about the most useless definition I've ever heard. Audiences seem to get it a lot better when we explain that programs like Word, PowerPoint, Acrobat, Excel, along with many others, collect data that you can't see when you're looking at your document, your spreadsheet, or whatever. The program itself may be collecting under the covers the name of the author, the date of creation, the date last accessed, the date last modified, and so on and so forth. And if you, like so many other lawyers, use Joe Brown's will as a template to create Jim White's will, you may inadvertently have data relative to Joe Brown and Jim White's will, unless you scrub the metadata. And I think you want to mention another kind of metadata, don't you, Jim? Right. There was a New York Times feature recently that talked about metadata in photos from geotagging. Your, your favorite phone, of course, the iPhone, uh, <laughs> actually geotags photos when you take them and gives you the exact longitude and latitude of where the photo is taken. So the gentleman who hosts the Mythbusters show put a, a picture of his car parked in front of his house on Twitter and said, now I'm off to work, which disclosed to the whole world on Twitter both the exact coordinates of his house and that he had left. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Th this geotagging thing, this is the year of where are you? <laughs> yes, that's right. And I would encourage all of our listeners, if you're not familiar with how this works, anytime an application asks you, do you want to share my data, your, my location, just say no. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to see more and more interesting geotagging stories in the news, that's for sure. <laughs> I think so. Well, now let's talk a little bit about why you need to get rid of metadata. Again, we're, for lawyers, we're going to primarily confine our comments to documents, although the photo issue certainly is interesting. But what? why is metadata so significant? Well, it, it first of all can be disclosed when you even e-file documents, but mainly when you send documents off as attachments. Anybody with a simple tool can look at all that. Because it's invisible, people don't really know about it or think of it, and so you don't think of what might be in there if you don't have a process to get rid of it. But one of the really important points to understand, Sharon, is that metadata is always factually accurate, but the obvious assumptions from the data are not always true. For example, a lawyer could have built six hours to draft a document and the client could open up the document and see that that document was only created open for two hours. 
what that wouldn't show is maybe that the lawyer did a whole lot of work at home in a different document and then came and pasted it into the document to create that. So so it, it's going to be accurate, but people may assume things from your metadata that aren't true. And so in that regard, it could damage your credibility by supposedly contradicting things that you've told people or made representations to the court, even though they're true. It can be embarrassing, even though it doesn't violate any attorney-client confidences, although that's really one of the concerns. The, the classic metadata scare story is when uh, you send the document off to your client and your client makes a bunch of comments, which are clearly attorney-client privileged information, and you incorporate things in the document, then you delete the comments. But metadata uh, viewers can, can find deleted documents. And finally, it may just violate your privacy a little bit. You know, it's just really nobody else's business if I got a little behind and worked on that brief until four in the morning. And yet metadata could reveal that type of personal information uh, about the document drafting process. Yeah, there sure are a lot of reasons to get rid of it. And, and I know one of the things we're hearing more and more about today is the impact of metadata and e-discovery. And that, of course, is, is specifically my area. The, the first thing I want to say about it is that lawyers seem obsessive about seeking metadata and e-discovery, whether or not it really plays any part or has any relevance. In the vast majority of cases, metadata simply isn't a factor. So it always amuses John and I when lawyers will fight tooth and nail over getting the metadata. And they won't listen to reason even when it's presented to them. So I'm going to detour for a moment to make an obvious point, but some folks miss it because they're just not familiar with the area. If you're getting your e-discovery in native format, in other words, you're getting your Word documents in Word format, you're going to have the metadata anyway. But in electronic discovery production, there's a lot of production in PDF and TIFF formats. That latter stands for tagged image file format. And that's really just a graphic representation of a document, just as though you took a, a photo of a contract, for example. So it's just a picture. It's in those cases where you have PDFs and TIFFs that the attorneys generally are wrangling over the metadata. And we've seen a lot of judges scratch their heads and, and ask the parties, why is metadata so important in this case, only to have the attorneys look back blankly at the judge without any real justification for why it is. So they end up spending a lot of time and money arguing about it and producing it, and sometimes it's just it's an exercise in futility. But here's a couple of examples where metadata really can be important. Suppose you're arguing that a document has been forged and was created long after somebody says it was. Well, then certainly the metadata is critical to prove it. Or suppose it's key to your case to know that the formulas that were used in constructing an Excel spreadsheet, you know, how they were developed and what they meant, and, and perhaps they, they might have been meant to screen out people of a certain age group. These formulas are really a form of metadata, and they can be crucial, as indeed they were in the 2005 seminal case Williams v. Sprint. That's a federal case in, in which the opinion was penned by one of eDiscovery's rock star judges, Magistrate Judge David Waxey. And I'll put in a sidebar and a plug here to note that last week we had the pleasure of interviewing him with respect to eDiscovery and whether wholesale or specific amendments to the federal rules of civil procedure are needed. That interview is now featured in our Digital Detectives podcast on Legal Talk Network, and it really illuminates what a lot of judges are thinking, so it's worth listening to. But back to Williams v. Sprint, which was basically an age discrimination suit. And when the pivotal spreadsheets were produced, their metadata had been scrubbed and their cell values locked. Well, that certainly would raise your eyebrow. And they had a lot of, they did a lot of funny dancing around trying to explain why all this stuff happened. And it, it, it was pretty thin sounding to the judge. Ultimately, the judge said that when a party's ordered to produce electronic documents as they 
as they are maintained in the ordinary course of business, they the producing party has to produce the electronic documents with their metadata intact unless the party objects timely to the production of metadata. The parties agree that the metadata should not be produced or the producing party requests a protective order. Now that was a huge step in 2005 and because the law was at that point so unclear, Judge Waxy declined to grant any, any sanctions for the conduct even though he obviously disapproved of it, but it sure is not unclear anymore. And courts have consistently upheld that opinion. And and just as a point of interest, in October of 2009, the Supreme Court of Arizona held that metadata in official government records is indeed part of those records, so must be produced. We don't have time to go through a lot of cases, so I've, I've been rambling on about this one, so I'll stop. But suffice to say that people need to be prepared to produce metadata in e-discovery, which many are not, and to demonstrate its relevance when the production is in a non-native format. Those are the two critical points. Okay, Sharon. Well, being a bar association guy, one of the things that I get a lot of inquiries about is is the your, a lawyer's ethical duties with regard to metadata. And I think it is first good to uh, stress that when we're talking about the ethics issues of metadata, generally speaking, we're talking about not evidence where clearly you you've discussed that, but talking about documents that have been drafted by the law firm. And so the, the uh, kind of hypothetical uh, scary situation is when the uh, lawyer emails a document or, or to an, another attorney and, or the opposing counsel, and they look at it and they find the deleted comments from clients or, or they see some drafting questions in there, or, or maybe even within larger firms, they've sent it around the office and, and some associate trying to make a point and said, I think we're very weak on this point, or are you glossing over something or some kind of unfortunate language that could come back to haunt them. And, and without, again, ending, I've done a whole hour program just on the ethics of metadata, and we only have a few minutes today. But the first opinions were pretty much very negative, that it was almost inappropriate uh, generally to look at metadata. In fact, some commentators have compared looking at the metadata in a document drafted and sent from another law firm on the same moral low ground as opening a lawyer's briefcase and rifling through it when he takes a restroom break during a deposition. (laughs) And I think a lot of that was the unfamiliarity of some of the lawyers on the ethics boards and the opinions to looking at it. But generally speaking, I'm not going to go through all these state-by-state opinions other than to say that there's three general issues. And one general issue is what is the sender's duty when transmitting metadata? Do you have an obligation to scrub documents or not? And I think Although the American Bar Association's uh, Standing Committee on Ethics and Professional Responsibility uh, shied away from that, most other ethics opinions say, yes, you do, that the sender should not disclose confident, you should scrub metadata to avoid disclosing confidential client information. And so I think that's becoming the general rule. And, and I might add, even if it wasn't an ethics rule, it's certainly the common sense rule. Uh, would you it's, agree, it's, Sharon? Uh, oh, absolutely true. And, and, and lawyers, just as a duty of competence these days, need to know how to do that because that's how you competently protect client confidentiality. But the other two issues are, are can the recipient then review or mine metadata? And, and that's where we have a significant split of authority. Many jurisdictions say, no, you cannot. Some say, yes, you can, and there's no reason why you shouldn't, and rules don't say anything about it, and and we really see a split of authority. I I have to say in this regard, 
the idea that that we're going to have a rule that is going to keep lawyers from looking at, at, at parts of documents than any other person, like a police officer, private investigator, or a teenager who's up on the latest technology. I know that I understand why the jurisdictions have come like that, but I don't think it makes sense in terms of modern society. And basically, you've sent it out there. Now, then the third prong is, is made if the sender finds some metadata, do you, I mean, if the recipient finds metadata, do you have to notify the sender? There's a different split there. There's a whole lot of analogies talking about rule 4.4b, which is for inadvertent receiving documents. And, and so the, these split is really, do I assume it was inadvertent or do I assume they intentionally sent it? And of course, uh, unlike the document that accidentally gets included in a large discovery request but was never meant to go, or the fax that is faxed to the wrong phone number, how many times that turns out to be opposing counsel's number is kind of amazing. Uh, <laughs> in, the, uh, in this situation, you know, the, the lawyer clearly meant to send the document, but a lot of jurisdictions are hanging their hat on that they didn't really mean to send the metadata. And I have to say, in terms of modern litigation and fairness and, and, and the way we treat things today, if you find metadata, it doesn't offend me that some states would have a rule that you have to notify the other lawyer that you found it rather than being able to save it and, and spring it out at an appropriate, most damaging time. <laughs> I do remember once seeing in a, a brief, somebody had forgotten to remove the metadata, and one of the comments that was in there was, do you really think the judge is stupid enough to buy this? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and even just earlier this year, the uh, U.S. District Court for the Western District of Pennsylvania issued a warning saying there's lots of metadata in these documents that you're e-filing with the court, and that data may reveal confidences and be damaging. When the judge is smart enough to issue these types of rulings, yeah, you'd better understand that, that uh, a lot of people are aware of this. <laughs> Have we tied together ethics? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Well, let's let's uh, move on to figuring out how to get rid of metadata. And Jim and I are going to kind of share this one because this topic is, is itself kind of huge. And before I start, start on my portion, remember that there are times when you want to keep metadata. And again, some people are well aware of this, but not everybody is. So if you've been collaborating on a Word document, for instance, and you use track changes, if you scrub the metadata, the other side can't see the track changes when you're trying to collaborate. So that rather defeats the point of what you're doing. So there are reasons for metadata to be kept. And, and, you know, sometimes people want to keep it for validity and verification reasons. It's the integrity of the full document. And I understand that as well. However, from a lawyer's point of view, as you said, when you're sending out the attachments, primarily you are going to be wanting to get rid of metadata. And there are two poor man's ways to do this. One is to use Control A to select all text, followed by Control C to copy the text open a new blank document, and then hit Control-V to paste into the new document. That will do it. Another way is to PDF the document, but that will get rid of most, but not all, metadata. Now, what's left is fairly innocent, but it, there are some things like the author and other things that it will keep with the metadata. And I'll confess that my understanding of how to get rid of all metadata in Acrobat was pretty limited and fundamental until I recently posted on my Ride the Lightning blog that converting to PDF didn't eliminate all the metadata. While that was true, I got a really nice note back from David Strong 
Stromfeld, the senior product manager at Acrobat, and he was very gracious and explained to me some of the things that I did not then know, and he explained that there are two removal tools in Acrobat. So if the user is converting from Word to PDF on Windows using the Acrobat PDF Maker functionality, there's a checkbox there called Convert Document Information when it's unchecked and you need to remember to do this because it's checked by default it will not retain the, the metadata when the word document is converted to PDF the problem of course there is the default and lawyers tend to take the default and they they forget more importantly regardless of how the PDF was created Acrobat 8 and higher have a really powerful tool called examine document and that will scan through the PDF identify any potential metadata and allow the user to remove it with a single click I had not been aware of that so that's that's uh, that's my ignorance there and I'm glad to know it now uh, they can include metadata comments bookmarks file attachments and even hidden text you know text that might be hidden by a, another object or white text on white background that kind of thing uh, this tool can give a user absolute confidence that regardless of how the PDF was created they can check what information goes out prior to publication now the thing that you know, I, I I wasn't arguing with Dave because he was so nice to write all this. But I said, well, Dave, you know, this this requires something that a lot of lawyers won't do. Lawyers are just lazy. They want to send the stuff out. They want to get it done fast. They want to get the billing entered, and that's it. So you know, he wrote me back again very kindly and said that what you can do to help lawyers is that the IT person at the law firm can configure Acrobat prior to installing it on the attorney's computer, so that convert document in information that I talked about earlier is off by default so you know that's 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 one really good solution and if it, and I had talked to him about metadata assistant which I know you're going to talk about in a moment if the attorney would like to be reminded to scrub a document's metadata and get one of the idiot boxes to pop up and being an idiot myself I love idiot boxes because they don't let me stomp on myself so there is actually a way to do that with Acrobat and there are preferences that can be set up to prompt the attorney to remove the metadata before the attachment goes out and I really think that that's a, a splendid solution and I thank Dave again very much for taking so much time to educate me because I feel much smarter about removing metadata from Acrobat now. Yeah, those are, that was a really interesting series. I followed that and passed it along to quite a few people ourselves. I have to back up for one second and give one more sentence on tying up metadata ethics issues because uh, those of you who are listening on iTunes or have downloaded the podcast without going to the website, we are going to include in our show notes a link to the legal t ABA Legal Technology Resource Center where they catalog and summarize very briefly every metadata ethics opinion from around the United States. So that'll be a great resource for you. Oh, that's that's wonderful. And, I, and I've got to go back and correct a couple things, too. Of course, as, as most people who listen to our podcast know, we have John here going, you guys are wrong, you guys are wrong, and passing little cheat notes, and then we have to fix our stuff. So he's right that I forgot to mention beyond software uh, metadata, there's also operating system metadata. Just be aware that that exists and, and that there are things you have to do with that as well. But the other thing he wanted me to mention, and he's quite right, is that when we you do the poor man's conversion by doing control a control uh, uh, seven etc control C excuse me and, and then paste it into a new document that will still leave the file creation date the author and the company so it's not a hundred percent clean which is why uh, and it is a good segue because now Jim is going to tell you how you can use some other kinds of software to make sure that everything is really and truly gone Right. Of course, most of the lawyers, what we deal with is, is word, do, word uh, processing documents. And so just so everybody's clear, in 
Corel WordPerfect X3, X4, and X5. There is now a publish without metadata feature, and and versions nine and higher also have the published PDF feature. With uh, is typical, Microsoft Word has a bit of an extra a more tangled path, shall we say. <laughs> if you're still using Word 2002, there's a white paper that we'll give you a link to in, in the show notes that you can see uh, and, and view. Uh, probably your best solution is just to upgrade. With Word, Microsoft Word 2003 and the other Microsoft Office products of that vintage, you can download and install the hidden, the remove hidden data tool for uh, Office 2003 and Office XP. Microsoft. Okay, wait a Word. minute, Jim. Jim, we got to back up. That tool sucks. We tried it. We we researched okay. it thoroughly. Don't don't use that. Uh, and I know you haven't had the chance to test it like we have, but that's a terrible tool. Well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> pointing that out. In fact, I, I, I my next sentence was going to be, uh, many experts have questioned <laughs> how well this works. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, uh, I will note, uh, defer to the people who do computer forensics on a full-time basis. And, and the word sucks is a technical term. <laughs> so treat it with respect. <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, while I'm willing to be corrected once again, I would note that Microsoft Word 2007 has a, a tool called Document Inspector that is now built in and is not a specific download. And, and it is a much, much better tool, yeah. Okay, there are some, some major tools, and I'm not really familiar with all of the big, big firm tools, but uh, clearly those of you who have a big firm in IT departments can look at, at enterprise solutions like the WorkShare solution is one that gets a lot of good reviews. There's another iScrub and some other tools. But, but I have to tell you, there's a, a t tool that small firms and big firms can use alike that uh, gets very high reviews. Pain Consulting at, at www.painconsulting.com has a very reasonably priced tool called the Metadata Assistant. And the last time I looked at the price, please correct me if this is not wrong, it was about $79 a license. And then there was an enterprise version if you had more than 20 workstations available. And, and of course, it, it's not relevant to your important tool in the office, but both of us know Donna Payne very well, think she's a great person. And this tool has gotten very good reviews. Is that your view of it as well, Sharon? My view of this is practically religious. And this has been the most incredible program for metadata scrubbing we've ever seen. And when it went in when it went enterprise level, we were shocked to see that the quality was totally maintained. It's just a phenomenal product, and uh, you know we we're vendor neutral, but we we love that that particular piece of software. So you can't go wrong buying that one. Metadata Assistant is great. Okay, Sharon, I think we've gone through most of the tools and talked a little bit about the ethics issues. Yes, we have, Jim, and I'll tell you, we gotta we gotta figure out who we want to have speak for us next time because trying to prepare these ones where you and I do all the talking is painful. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll talk about that offline. That's all, folks, for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy.